Thanks for joining another episode of the Cart Overflow Podcast, the no-fluff podcast for e-commerce marketers. I'm your host today, Gen Furukawa, and today I'm speaking with Cody Wittick, who's a co-founder and managing partner at Kinship, an influencer marketing agency. Obviously, Cody knows influencer marketing inside and out well enough to actually get his product on the hand of LeBron James, which as a LeBron James fanboy is a really cool story that we start out with. But Cody is very data-driven in how he creates and conceives the influencer programs that he runs. And what I love is that he's actually very ROI-focused, but there's one important caveat, and that is that the ROI is not something that can be easily quantified or realized in the short term, but it's something in the long-term play. Cody says, build a relationship on giving, not asking. And this is something that he emphasizes and has been the key to his success for all of his influencer campaigns. So in this conversation, Cody breaks down the high level strategy of influencer marketing, as well as the nitty gritty tactical details of launching an influencer program. That includes how to identify and evaluate potential partners. And keynote here, it's not about the audience size, but it's about how, the, how well they create their content and how much engagement they get. He also talks about the best way to continue the momentum after an initial flood of attention from an influencer. And then Cody's take on how and why certain brands like Gymshark and Peloton are really succeeding with their influencer marketing. So if you're not leveraging influencer marketing now as a channel in your current e-commerce marketing strategy, I highly recommend that you enjoy this episode. So let's get right into it. Cody Wittick, thanks so much for joining. First thing is, would you mind just sharing a little bit about what you do at Kinship and your view, like what influencer marketing actually is? Yeah, so me and my business partner, Taylor Lagasse, we started Kinship almost two years ago now. And before that, I was at a brand called Kalo, responsible for building out the influencer program. And then my business partner was at Commentary Collective, which he was doing digital ad buying, doing influencer funnels, et cetera. So we started Kinship almost two years ago and our roles are running the thing and trying to scale. And what I would say about influence marketing, what influence marketing is in essence is, and I say this to the 65 year old that has never heard of the term influencer before, but just people with social followings that have an audience typically, or, or they're all the way from the athlete to Steph Curry on a TV commercial at Chase and everywhere in between. I think because of social media platforms, they've made it really, really scalable to be to where you and I can become an influencer by putting out content. But I think people a lot of times think it's just super easy, but these are full-time content creators. These are full-time, a lot, a lot of them are full-time. That's their full-time gig compared to just like side hustles and stuff like that. But Getting into the weeds here, but yeah, I, I mean, in essence, I would say anybody with an audience to be able to influence them, no pun intended. Yeah. I actually first came across you and Kinship on Twitter, and I would say you got the crown jewel of influencers with LeBron James, which I think is a really <laughs> cool story and like how you, how you had it unfold and how you actually got there. And we we're talking before we both love basketball. Can you explain how you're actually getting your product on the hand of LeBron James? Yeah, so, I mean, that goes back to my days at Kalo. I would share how I got his address, but I'd have to confess to some crimes. No, <laughs> but yeah, it, 
it started with it, and this goes back to like how we think at Kinship and really just bring this into our business and how we communicate this to brands is it's the foundation of every effective influencer marketing strategy. So, and what I mean by product seeding is sending your product out for free. And so a lot of times, a lot of people shy away from something like this just because you can't measure it with short-term impressions or sales or like the immediate ROI. So a lot of, you know, brand leaders or CEOs are like, what is my return on this? But the relationships that builds over time, the content that builds over time is, has a compounding value that you just can't measure short-term. It's very long-term play, but what a phrase we use all the time and something that just rolls off my tongue is building the relationship on giving and not asking. And what you see a lot of brands do today is quite the opposite. They ask you out to dinner, but then they ask you to buy it as well. And so there's a, there's always a catch to the DM that they send the influencer, the product that they send out for free, but you have to, you know, do something that's very transactional for me as well. And so going back to the LeBron story is that started with one of his teammates, but instead of me asking, Hey, you know, he was a big time NBA all-star at the time. He was actually, you know, running for MVP, Isaiah Thomas. He was on the Celtics and he was a big time player. I met him at NBA all-star weekend and it would have been, you know, to my advantage, possibly if I asked him like, Hey, I'll give you some rings silicon wedding rings if you post or send a tweet out or something like that but that relationship i would bet a lot of money that it would have ended right then and there because in his mind it would have been like man this guy's no different than everybody else out there just trying to use me but i did the opposite and this is people you know these are things that i learned from others as well but i just kept giving 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 and one of the times when he ended up on the cavaliers being 100 honest i wasn't even thinking about lebron I just said, hey, I'll send, you know, would love to send you and the team some rings. And then sure enough, you know, a few months later, we saw LeBron walking into a stadium with a ring on. And, and then ultimately when, we, when he signed with the Lakers, we saw him wearing a ring, uh, the product of the Kalo. And so from there, we were able to put together an awesome package for him and, you know, getting into the, the weeds of the story. But you can see how these things play out, but it all started with me building a relationship with one of his teammates that had nothing to do with LeBron at the time. He was on a different team, but that long-term compounding value that I talked about ends up paying dividends because when he ends up on the same team with LeBron, we have a real relationship. He wants the product. He loves the product. I've never asked for anything from him. And so now you have an influencer influencing the influencers in an NBA locker room that I could never get to a place that I'm restricted from entering into, but here he is probably, you know, getting a box full of product and being like, you got to wear these, they're the best. And for a family man like LeBron, it obviously hit at home. Yeah, that's fantastic. So when you talk about you put a package to get together, are you talking like a financial package, an incentive package, or an actual package of rings? No, an actual package. Just, I mean, we had our, our co-founders write a handwritten note we put together custom designed rings, you know, they were laser engraved with James gang, which is what he refers to as family all the time. So his thing like his wedding anniversary day, we looked it up. So stuff, stuff that was specific to him, obviously like shirts and apparel and stuff like that. And we put it in a super nice, like wooden box. So that's what I mean by a package. I don't think he would be motivated by our financial package. Well, Um, he certainly does have a a price point at some point with Nike. Yeah. 
for sure for sure time. yeah uh that's i mean that like i said i think lebron is probably one of the most brandable or influential people how do you actually take that that moment of like all right he's wearing the silicone ring which may be hard for like the casual observer to know that his wedding ring is actually branded by Kalo, which is Q-A-L-O. Like, how do you actually, so you take that moment, you're in the spotlight, presumably, and then how do you kind of like get the momentum from that to build brand awareness? Yeah, I mean, then it's kind of one of those things where it's like better to ask for forgiveness than permission at, at sometimes. Like, I mean, don't quote me on that. That's coming from an agency, but like from the brand side of the things, like, you know, we definitely posted that LeBron was wearing this, you know, we put it on, on certain things. We tried to use it as leverage for sales channels, like our sales team, you know, going out to retailers and saying like, Hey, LeBron James is wearing our ring. That definitely brings like credibility. So there's, there's things like that, that you can use to your advantage. We, we partnered with like a big time YouTube channel because Steph Curry was wearing our ring at the time. And those two, I mean, arguably are, I mean, obviously LeBron, but Steph at the time, you know, he wasn't injured. They had just won their third championship. He's wearing the ring, holding up the trophy. So like those certain things like can lend credibility when you're going to a big time YouTube channel and saying like, Hey, you know, and using those partnerships to use it. Now, are we saying like out on an ad, like, Hey, LeBron James endorses Kalo ring? Like, no, but there are things that you can definitely get crafty with and use your experience with. Yeah. So can we take it back a step to maybe something that's that's more accessible? Like if I were to come to you as an agency and say, Hey, like I want to start a, or I have a a t-shirt brand. So something that's maybe like a lower AOV and and not a lot of brand awareness and a competitive niche. Like how would you evaluate me? Whether one, I'm even a good fit to go out to an influencer or to like from there, what the strategy is to, to use influencer marketing to drive sales? Yeah, I mean, I would still say that if I would create a budget for based on your AOB, based on like your COGS and everything like that, I would create a budget to where you can at least send out, I mean, especially with apparel, you can at least send out five to 10 of these a month to people that you're trying to really get in your industry. So let's say it's fitness apparel, or let's say it's even more niche and it's a running fitness apparel. Like think about the people that are going to influence that industry and not just people with social media followers. Um, I'm kind of actually disagreeing with myself when you asked about the definition of influence marketing. I wouldn't just say it's actually people with followers. I would say it's easy to define people as that, but the influential person that has, you know, is another brand owner, and another category that you're trying to get into, that person is an influencer because how, how many people that he knows around him that can get your product to him. And if he becomes a big believer, then those five people that you want to really get to are going to be influenced by him as well. So I would still start with sending your product out, getting your product, get word of mouth, word of mouth awareness, get user generated content, etc. But Part of your question, as far as what I'm understanding is that, how do I know that influencer marketing can be a viable channel? I think it's, it's applicable to anybody because it, <laughs> there's always at least one influencer in, in your industry and can you tap on him to get to his audience, but also can he be a great content creator, et cetera? I think it's applicable to B2B. I think it's applicable obviously to D2C. 
So I wouldn't shy away from saying like, you can't use influencer marketing to, to really anybody. It's just like, should you do email? Should you do Facebook ads? I would say it's the same thing. Right. So you're sending out your, your goods and you did this with Isaiah Thomas that got to LeBron. Are you doing this in conjunction with like a cold email outreach or are you trying to reach them through social media or do you actually just proactively send product and then follow up with them? Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is like you have to get their address, right? So there has to be some sort of form of communication. I think the Isaiah Thomas eventually leading to LeBron is a unique example where I met him face to face. I knew his agent, you know, like those sorts of things when you're working with big time level talent, you, you have to go through the, the agent route. But if you're trying to get to the mommy bloggers of the world or, you know, the fitness influencers on the world that have 20,000 followers, like a DM is and we have ways to do this, but a DM is like a really effective route or shooting them an email. But if you're just going to get them the product, I would definitely recommend a DM just because it's a little less casual or a little bit more casual. But yeah, you, that's part of it, right? Like you have to get their address. So there yeah. needs to be some form of communication. One thing that I was always curious about is like for Twitter, you actually have to have that person follow you in order to get the DM, right? In order to have access yeah. to a direct message. Do you outright say, hey, I have something for you, follow me? Is it that transactional? So most of the time what we're dealing with is Instagram just cause that's like the monopoly on influencer marketing most of the time, just meaning like the, the market dominator. And you don't need that, you know, for in order to DM. So you're able to just DM them directly or send them an email if they have that, you know, list in their bio or underneath their bio, where it has a button to just email them. But you can send a DM to anybody right now. Obviously, like as they become more and more influential, like you sending a DM to LeBron James probably isn't going to be read. And even if it is read, it's not read by him. So, but as you move down the scale of like tiers of influencer, you're getting people that even in the million, like low millions, sometimes you're getting people that are reading their own DMs. So I'd always advise like, just shoot your shot. And the worst is that they don't respond or they say no. Right. So you talk about budget earlier. So budget, part of it is allocated to the actual product, the cost of goods sold. I give away 10 shirts a month. What can I expect in terms of how I'd be compensating? Is it like, kind of on a cost per click that's actually delivered or on a conversion basis or maybe a, a flat fee or time. You you... Sending out that product? Well, well, when you're formalizing a relationship with an influencer. Yeah, so I mean, I think what I would say is what I've said earlier is that building that relationship on giving and not asking. And once that relationship is built, I think there is steps. I compare it a lot to dating. It's just like, as you, like there is no formulaic way of dating like oh i get went three dates so now i can ask her to be my girlfriend or like be my wife or anything like that there's no formula for those sorts of things so it's like any other relationship like with these influencers there is a feel like as you've given them product and they're excited about now there's like a natural thing that takes place where it's okay she's great at creating content she digs my brand let's work together in a formal capacity um, and taking those things to the next level. The ROI side of things is like, I would definitely try to take that conversation away from organic or away from 
at least the focus away from organic in terms of like them just posting. If they're a great content creator, I would love to get hands on, if I'm a brand, I would love to get hands on their content to be able to repurpose and compensate them accordingly. But not to say that they can't be posting organically and a lot of people turn that into affiliate programs. There's all these steps that you can take as you move up in terms of like an influencer pyramid, uh, so to speak. Okay, so organic is, they're like, hey, this is a t-shirt that I got, I really love it. Like hashtag, I mean, I don't know if the disclosure needs, if they need to say sponsored post or whatever, but they, they would just kind of like do their own thing. And then you're saying more of a partnership agreement might be, let's collaborate, let's plan a content piece and then execute on that together. Yeah, and I, I think I need to back up a little bit too, is like when I'm asking for their address, like I said earlier, I'm not asking for anything in return. So there's no requirement for them to post. And that's a breath of fresh air to them because they're getting hounded by brands all the time. And you, the brand listening, are going to be the brand that doesn't ask for anything up front. And so that's that first step with the influencer. What I was saying is that as you start to see, you know, <clears throat> their interest in you by maybe them posting without you asking, you know, throwing them up on your store on their story or them just asking for even more product and you've evaluated them as an influencer, then those next steps can take place in terms of you asking for more of a formal contractual agreement and where those opportunities are endless and it's kind of case by case basis. Mm -hmm. I was doing a little research earlier and I came across a number and I should have found the source uh, or written down the source, but it was a, a 35X ROI on influencer marketing which I think is astronomical, especially when you're considering like paid ads are getting more expensive and ranking on organic is getting harder. And really when it comes down to it, and especially probably the demographic that you might be targeting that that's more active on social channels might look for some validation and social proof before a purchase, which kind of reinforces the value of influencer marketing. But I, I just thought that that was kind of a, a surprisingly high, but understandable and realistic number of what an ROI can be expected of an influencer campaign. Yeah. I, I mean, you see those, I think that's what lures people into the channel is you see those case studies or you see those articles that you saw 35 X or 11 X, or I expect this amount of dollars on every dollar that I spent on influencer marketing. But you could say the same thing about email or Facebook ads or like any other marketing channel. I view it as no different, but a lot of times people think, oh, I can just pay this influencer one time. They're going to post and I'm going to see all these sales generate. And it just doesn't work like that. Maybe back in 2014, it used to, you know, we'd see some of those numbers in the early days. Like we would see, you know, people post and sales come in, but with, you know, like you're mentioning, like with the algorithm and just the way that it is harder organic, it just doesn't work like that. And so there needs to be a fully functioning strategy in order for it to be a, a fully functioning ROI on that. Just like people that try Facebook ads for two weeks and they say it didn't work. Well, <laughs> like you get in what you put in type thing. And so like those case studies, I, I think are, I would hope without knowing what exactly you read is like a, a strategy that's been underground for six months and it's eventually breathing life. It's not just one influencer one time and you got a 35X. Do those things happen? Could they happen? Sure. 
but I think there needs to be multi-levels of your influencer strategy. Everybody needs to be pulling on the same end of the rope. Your influencer marketing needs to fit in with the rest of your marketing strategy in order for it to be effective as well. So mm-hmm. like I would say it needs to fit into your holistic marketing strategy in order for it to be effective. Agreed. Agreed. But you say that you see it as a channel like email or paid. And, and I might agree with you in terms of being a channel. The one thing where I, I struggle to wrap my head around influencer marketing is that there is an arm's length nature to the transaction where there's, there's only so much control that you have and you know only so much that you can do in terms of maybe engagement or like the, the creative, of course. Yeah, I mean, am, am I wrong there to think that there is something that's out of your control with influencer as a channel? Yeah, no, I would say actually 100% you're right. If you're doing it just purely off organic, there is a lot like that gap is really, really wide. What I would say how you can reduce that gap as much as possible or that gap between what you invest and then what you get in return becomes a lot smaller is where you actually get ownership rights of the content to be able to repurpose. Because I trust the brand's channels to generate revenue like email or like Facebook ads to generate revenue. And those are, you have more options to repurpose that content way more than the influencer has. Usually it's just their social media audience. Maybe they have a blog, if that, you know, now we're talking like big time influencers that have, they are their own brand in essence. But most of the time when we're talking like micro influencers, like anywhere above 10,000 followers um, to like 100, 150, 200,000, they have their social media audience and that's it. But the brand has three to five. And so if you can get that influencer content into those things, then you actually are in control mm-hmm. um, of repurposing that. And so that's where the ROI exists, in my opinion, because you know we like to say we're judged on ROAS, we're judged on sales, not likes. A lot of other agencies aren't. But I think giving the brand ownership and control and power over the content distribution is where you can start to see the ROI come in. Yeah. So you're an agency, you, you have a lay of the land, so you probably know like which influencers actually deliver. If I were an individual brand, my only gauge really is like looking at an engagement and I consider an engagement like, like as compared to, or what would it be? I guess comments to likes might be an engagement ratio. But yeah. Are you, before you finalize, like an agreement, a partnership. And I know you you do say that it's give first. Do you actually like ask to see some validation of performance because, you know, just to ensure that there's not like buying followers or anything? Yeah, no, I mean, there's ways you can do that. I mean, I can go on a profile in two seconds to see if they have fake followers or not. And we have software to be able to do that. But in terms of gifting product, I don't really look that much. I just want to see brand fit. I want to see that they're active on their social. I don't want to give to someone that last posted in 2017 because I'm not, I'm not even going to get a response, first of all, in order to even get their address. But so I definitely need to evaluate like they're recently posting. It's active. It seems to be like a decent engagement rate. But again, like that's all I really need in order for and like they're a brand fit. They represent my brand well. So if they post, I'm proud that they posted. I'm not like, oh, shoot, did they drop the F-bomb? Do they, you know what I mean? Like just stuff like that, where maybe that is a brand fit for some people, maybe it's not for most, but 
as far as so as far as gifting product that side of things but when i wanted to work with somebody from a contractual basis i'm looking at their content creation building number one their distribution is a distant second so if they have poor engagement but they make really killer content or they can speak on camera really really well then i have a, a case to be able to work with them because i care about the content creation ability number one again so those are the some of the things that we're looking for as an agency when we're talking to our brands and we're, we're giving them a strategy like hey this is exactly what you need to be looking for it's not their engagement rate to be honest mm. we don't care much about that now do i want it to be 0.001 when they post they're getting like five people to see it no like I want them to have a decent engagement rate. I'm not saying like you just completely throw it out the water, but I would say like people need to flip how they care about things. It's not follower count. It's not engagement rate. It's not their discount code that they offer. It's, it's their content. It's right. can they, can they sell product in order for, so if you repurpose this content in an ad or in an email, can they convince somebody, can they persuade somebody to, to buy? Is it normal to kind of put ad dollars behind or, or give them ad dollars to boost a post or run sponsored ads of a given tweet, for example? Yeah, again, we're, we're getting into like, who would you rather be doing that? The influencer themselves or would you rather have that? Yeah, well, my thought is like, all right, if, if, if their content is great, but the distribution isn't there, maybe I'd be happy to put money behind it to at least offset some of the, the potential downside of like, Oh, well, this fell flat. Yeah. Well, I would say I, in that case, I would, I would be very interested in page access okay. because I'd much rather have, again, like going back to the control and believe in our ability to, or the brand's ability to put this ad in front of the right people or Facebook's ability just with, with, Boosting posts compared to like running it as an ad, you just have so much more flexibility and running it through ads manager compared to just boosting it through Instagram or through Facebook. So then I'd be interested in getting page access and getting access into their audience. Sure. Earlier you mentioned that you're ROAS driven, which I think is awesome. Can you, is it kind of just like a, a standard, you know, ad spend is, is cogs and whatever costs and then returned is just kind of like, based on, I guess the question is more about attribution. They're given a specific coupon code or landing page, or are you kind of just tracking it via UTM parameters? And then that's your conversion. For the influencer payment, or are you talking about just how we're tracking ROI just yeah. in general? ROI just in general. Oh, we're just completely tracking it through ads manager. The okay. way that we work, the, the, the way that we work with our clients, we're getting it into ad accounts and then it's all just tracked through ad manager. Okay. And then as far as like the organic posting, a lot of times we are giving them a custom like swipe up link on Instagram story and we're tracking that through Google analytics. Okay. And so mainly Instagram is the channel that kind of like bleeds into Facebook, I suppose. But I was wondering if like written content might have more smaller reach, but more evergreen value just if if there's like a readership newsletter and then kind of like organic traffic on the back end maybe a few months down the line yeah i think it's interesting from an seo perspective like if the influencer has like a blog um or anything like that that you could partner with them 
we we really like to get people to produce video content that's where i you know what i was touching on earlier was seeing can they speak on camera can they be comfortable are they excited about your product or previous products that are like yours then you can use that as judgment on or at least the the prediction that they'll be excited about your product as well mm-hmm. but written contrast you know i i'm open to like so many different channels obviously and we've we have we come up with models that we want to scale what works just like facebook does but it's an interesting test for sure yeah my last question is and it's so hard to top with what you've done with kalo and and lebron but like an influencer campaign you think that does really like a good job that can be studied as a case study on how content is done how an influencer kind of like partners and gets behind a brand in an organic way that has virality yeah that's a good question i I mean i think of like the gym sharks of the world i mean they they did a really good job of at the beginning of product seeding and they turned that into and they put a lot of eggs in their affiliate program so i mean even when you break down from a macro level of influencer marketing and you get into the micros of like these different channels of like affiliate marketing a lot of people are like yeah we'll just do affiliate and we'll just generate a ton of sales and it's like no like this takes a ton of work you know gym sharks are putting a lot of resources into their affiliate program. It's not just like you set up a program and it just runs itself. It doesn't work like that. But I think of them, I think of like even the Pelotons, you know, of the world that have just generated a lot of UGC that they're repurposing even in commercials. So those are the the ones that come to mind. There's definitely plenty others. Yeah, I think I did see something. I mean, Gymshark, UK-based, athletic clothing, they're now valued at over a billion dollars, right? Or, or pounds. But I did see something about their, their affiliate network. And basically these influencers are really assigned account managers essentially. And there's a lot of personal attention and they actually have a relationship uh, with, with a brand, which probably comes through in the content that they're putting out um, that they really do believe in it. Yeah. A true. Absolutely. No, I put a thread out. I don't know, a month ago now, but it was one of the influencers getting their Gymshark and it was completely organic. And it was like, this guy was stoked. Like, go check it out after our, after our interview. But he was just beyond stoked. And it was like DHL and the DHL driver even says like, Gymshark again? (laughs) And like the, the influencer just starts laughing because which shows you one, like Gymshark's taking care of their athletes, taking care of their influencers. And two, like, the influencer, this is organic to him. Like he's actually excited about this product and being a part of the Gymshark family. So those are, that's the fruit of a lot of labor, a lot of product seeding, a lot of like what you're saying, like an account manager assigned to this person, making sure that they're taken care of. But yeah, that, it was a, a great video. Yeah. Cody, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun and I appreciate all the insight and, and kind of the back and forth. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, very active on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'm putting out a lot of content. So just at Cody Wittick on both. I think Twitter has a space between, but Instagram is just at Cody Wittick, W-I-T-T-I-C-K. Yeah, those are the best ways to get in touch. Always open to questions and DMs and love to help and teach. So that's the best way to connect. Fantastic. Cody, thanks so much. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. 
If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.